Look at my butt. Show number 223 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Go. Okay, I got a present. <gasps> Yay, and a present. I am so excited about this, and it's been sitting on my counter for a good two weeks. Did you hear that? That was me ripping the, the envelope, please. I, oh. I hope you like it. What is this? Oh, my God. <laughs> Yay. It is Good reaction. the Wrath of Khan director's cut. Yes. Wow. This is supposed to be excellent. It just came out. I mean, I actually pre-ordered it for you before wow. it was even available. And I thought, we should totally have this because it's got like a zillion extras on it. Yes. And, and it's still the- um, mint in plastic. <laughs> it's supposed to take... Um, sort of the best of the theatrical version and the like the the TV cut because the TV cut was different yes. and and blend all of it together into the director's cut. Wow! Listen to this. Um, there's the okay. There's a director's cut and theatrical version of the feature film. Commentary by Nick Meyer. Mm-hmm. Then there's a whole separate one. Commentary by Nick Meyer and Manny Cotto on just mm-hmm. the theatrical version. Text commentary by our friends, the Okudas. Mm-hmm. Um, then it says library computer, <laughs> but in parentheses, theatrical version. Then there's the Genesis effect, engineering the wrath of Khan. Um, there's original interviews with the cast. There's a captain's log. <laughs> there's something from James Horner on composing the music. This is amazing. There is a there's a ton of stuff. There's a farewell to Ricardo Montalban. There's, there's storyboards. There's theatrical trailer. Oh. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure there's an interview with Bill on there somewhere. I think that might be the captain's log, or it might be um, these original interviews with DeForest Kelly, William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, mm. and Ricardo Montalban. Yeah. So new stuff, like not just recycled interviews, uh-huh. but they actually sat them down. Obviously, Leonard before he passed yes. away to get them to talk about it. So and I just thought we should have it, and you especially should have it. <laughs> okay. And it's in HD. Yeah, HD. HD. So I am looking forward to us sitting down and watching the shit out of that when I come to Absolutely. I think it might be an all-day project to get through all these different yeah. commentaries. Oh, that'll be awesome. Yes. So, wow. Okay. Wow, thank you. You're very welcome. Well, speaking of movies, the thing I want to start with is yes. on your list where you said, please take six minutes to watch this. <laughs> So we can talk about it. Okay. And it is a a little six-minute movie, kind of a mashup of TOS and the Rebootyverse. Mm-hmm. It is fucking awesome. (laughs) So this was done by Nick Acosta. Yes. Who was the dude who did the uh, panoramic Star Trek stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Where he stitched together all the scenes so you yes. could see it like it was in Panoramic. And I had seen him live at some event in San Francisco where he talked about this. He's awesome. He's like totally cool. And I just saw this on Tumblr because I follow him on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, I should watch this. And then I was like, oh, this is really, really good. And oh, my God, so much Kirk light. <coughs> yes. Excuse me. <coughs> I had to gasp. I lost my breath when you said Kirk light. Um, but... There's like an actual setup for a story here. 
There is. There totally is. And I was going, okay, what is it, 20 years since they did Trials and Tribulations? Yeah. Think what they could do now, and why didn't some genius do this, I mean a movie version of this, as the reboot? Yeah. Would have given it some kind of validity, especially if real Kirk kills stupid Kirk. (laughs) I would be perfectly okay with that. So I'll, I'll I'll recap the plot really quickly. Yes. Um, so it's it starts off we're following the original Enterprise TOS and they um, encounter they get slingshotted through time or something into another dimension and they encounter another Enterprise and it's the the Star Trek Beyond crew Chris Pine et, and company and they have a lot of tenseness when they're trying to you know they're going to fight each other they're not going to fight each other and then of course they come together to defeat a common enemy at the end yes. this is all in, in six and a half oh, minutes yeah. basically it's in- so he he just really blended old HD Trek footage and then footage from the movies together to make it look like the characters were actually interacting and it's really good really really well done very well done uh, one thing though that as I was watching it kind of jumped out at me like as you were pointing out there's so much Kirk light but even getting beyond Kirk light when you have the two side by side like that yeah the movies look cheap they do because they really all do. the lights are turned up as bright as they possibly can be mm-hmm. there's no there's no texture there's no mood to them and then the shots especially of the two bridges there is dramatic levels of lighting and and everything on the TOS bridge and on the other guy's bridge it's like man you'd have a headache after working there but it looks really cheap like it was done by somebody who did not know how to light anything and just went well turn them up to full then everything can be seen yeah and it's also really um really shocking to to see the difference in the way the characters are are dressed and made up mm-hmm. like like i get the the desire in new movies to to be gritty and realistic mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that and it just looks weird i mean when you see bill shatner as kirk and he looks so perfect and beautiful and then you see chris pine as kirk and he looks like Grubby, Un- unfinished. <laughs> yes, like kind of half baked. Yep, you know? half baked Kirk. <laughs> he, he really does, and it's it's very strange. And I mean, I know we have said this a thousand times, and I'm very sorry to have to repeat it, but the the way that they both embody that character, you know, Shatner as Kirk has such authority and such gravitas. Yes, and Chris Pine has nothing. I mean, this is never a guy you're going to follow into battle. You just aren't. Well, he's just not that guy. And during one of the battle scenes, exactly what you're saying just was brought home very clearly. Um, our Kirk, real Kirk, <laughs> says, fire. Mm-hmm. Very next shot, Chris Pine is yelling, fire! It's like, yeah. <sighs> yeah it's, he it's does really... not have that calm, that commanding demeanor. The, the guy that people look to, you know, for... For direction, the guy who's going to hold it together mm-hmm. and that gives you confidence. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. So that that was very instructive to me to mm-hmm. see them side by side and just see the difference in what that character is supposed to be. 
You know, I, I don't know, I'm sure we've said this before, but I wonder if Chris Pine could pull off playing Kirk the way he was in TOS, you know, as that authoritative guy with all the experience under his belt and the, you know, the, the knowledge mm-hmm. of everything that he's supposed to know. Like, could he do that? I, I would be very interesting to see him do that. I'm not sure to play, to he play. could. And the mm-hmm. reason is something we're going to discuss later in the show. Did you happen to look at that article I sent you? Um, I, I glanced at it, where but I, I was hoping... Chris Pine, Chris Pine is an idiot. Yeah, yeah. I, I want you to tell me more about uh, well, it. Well, I, I yeah, saw a lot of and people it, talking uh, about it. It, it kind of touches into this, and and also I think it's in that article. Um, somebody points out that he is now the age Shatner was when he first played Kirk. Yeah, yeah. and uh, part of you know Shatner's appeal, not just in this, but why he got cast in so many things, was he looked very boyish. Mm-hmm. But he has the maturity you know, of an adult. Yeah, yeah. And Pine, you know, looks like this, this, you know, buffed up kid who works out a lot. Mm-hmm. But he has no, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think he could play a mature man in that mm. kind of a position. He's, I mean, at least with Kirk, he's playing little boy lost. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see him try just mm-hmm. to see. But yeah, I, I just, it's so weird. I, I, I guess, you know, as many times as we've talked about it, seeing this little six and a half minute clip really, really just kind of smacks you in the face mm-hmm. with it. Like, you really believe when you see Bill that he has been to Starfleet Academy mm-hmm. and that he commanded other ships and that he rose up through the ranks to this thing. Mm-hmm. When I see Chris Pine, I don't even believe that he finished Starfleet Academy. <laughs> I'm not sure he finished high school. You know, he just doesn't come off as somebody who who went through all that training. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm, I, uh, anyway, anyway, you should all watch this because it's really good. <laughs> but I will tell you, it made me kind of sad for what could have been. Like I said, this could have been the kickoff. And wherever they went from there, you know, would have been an entirely different thing. But there would have been at least one interesting thing starting it out. One thing connecting it to our Star Trek. And I'm not talking about a a lengthy appearance by Nimoy or something, you know. For most of us, okay, yeah, that was nice. But our Star Trek is when these guys were young and, you know, virile Mm-hmm. And and you know doing their Star Trek jobs, so mm-hmm. it, I I agree. It would have been it would have been great. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Trials and tribulations. We should watch that again. Yes, I love that one. Uh, it's so good. So very very good. Ah, so cool. Well, that was the hot off the presses because he just did that like a week. Ago. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was cool. Um. Here, here's a, okay, do you want me to tell you about the, the slot Yes, machine? please do. <laughs> okay, this happened today. Okay. So I saw this on uh, Tumblr or something, and I'll just read you. This is at uh, StarTrek.com. So I, I was drawn to it because it has this very weird um, uh, image of Kirk as in Khan, but it's it's like... Uh, 
airbrushed over, and he looks like he's in a comic book or something. Oh, so that's strange. And it says, ready for some digital slots? Trek-style Jackpot Party Casino has just debuted their latest Trek game, Star Trek Wrath of Khan. Fans can play in their favorite universe, complete with Khan and the Enterprise. The game boasts true character likenesses and authentic voice work from real actors, as well as favorite sounds from the movie, including phasers, photon torpedoes, and transformers. So it's Extra- real actors, but not original actors? I... I- I don't know. Oh, my God. Okay, keep going. <laughs> extra pay lines can be achieved without extra payment thanks to a base 5 by Okay, here's where I like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> a base 5 by 4 reel, and the slot allows you to experience ship-to-ship combat in the free spins bonus rounds amongst the wreckage. Okay, I don't understand any of that. Me neither. Um, so what it is is... You go to Facebook, and um, this company, Jackpot Party Casino, I I think you have to say it that way. I think so. Um, They have a whole bunch of games on Facebook that you can play, and you can play them for free, and then there are in-app purchases, of course, if you want to get more, you know, tokens. And I didn't know that they'd made other Star Trek ones, but this is their new one. And it's basically like a slot machine, a digital slot machine game. You go there, a bunch of stuff comes up, you press the spin button, and then whatever happens, happens, and you either win money or you lose money. And um, if dif- <laughs> there's all kinds of different things that show up on the screen, and it's like a, it's not like slot machines that I used to remember. Yeah. Like when we were in Las Vegas, it was pretty simple like you get three in a row right three matching <laughs> things i was gonna say and is it three kafarian apples or <laughs> you get three things and you win well this has four and then five lines sometimes instead of just three mm-hmm. and you can get um combinations that are like diagonal and up and down and across and even ones that aren't linear like you can get two in one row and then it crosses over to another so if you only you get like five of the same thing just on the page even though if they're not in a line you can still win okay. it's really complicated oh so i was just i'm just sitting there pressing the spin button uh-huh. like just tell me if i won just tell me if i won mm-hmm. i don't care about anything just tell me if i won oh dear so um, you get a bunch of money just to start playing, and then you get more money, money in quotes, <laughs> um, if you like share it on Facebook. And if you get other people to click on your link, you get bonuses, and then there are daily bonuses. Oh, God. And it's just so fucking complicated. I was having a really hard time with it, but it was kind of fun to do it. The best part, though, is that you get a little mini game that's in there, um, which is based on the Trouble with Tribbles. Uh-huh. So so you get it um, a screen that has... Um, it's like a it's like a pachinko game where you, like you drop a thing in at the top and then it kind of bounces around and then wherever it lands that's where it, the like the payout that you get mm-hmm. so it's like that except you get tribbles to drop in instead and the triple kind of bounces around, bing, 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 and then it lands at the bottom in a slot, and then you get money, and you get three triples a day that you can play <laughs> in this mini game. And if you get a lot of money, you you score more points and get more money for it. So it's really fucking weird, but I encourage you all to play it um, <laughs> at least for free. <laughs> you know, for free. Don't spend any money on it, but it's kind of it's it's goofy. It, it, the graphics are really nice looking, but it's not like they're. Um, nothing moves. It's not animated, and I didn't get 
to hear any voice work. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that they just took clips from the movie and, and oh, like, maybe are, so. are playing. Yeah, I don't think that they got them to do anything new. Um, and the bon- the best part though is the bonus. Like when you get the really big bonus, it's it's an image of of Shatner yelling, "Come!" Of and he's got it the is. face and he's all contorted, yes. and there's like a big yellow glow around him. It's it's very weird. So they obviously spent a lot of time developing this game, and I sort of challenge anyone to actually figure out mm-hmm. how all the bonuses and stuff work because it seems impenetrable to me and I was waiting for the mean admiral to come out and yell at me for not knowing what I was doing it was that level of I don't understand that that was my god Um, but I'm going to keep playing it because, you know, it's free and it, it, it it's Star Trek. To, <laughs> it's Star Trek and it was a good way to kill five minutes. So that was cool. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> listeners, if you go play this or if you have played it and want to review it or explain it. Yeah. Explain would that. be good. I'd love to yes. have somebody explain to me how you actually play because... It, I mean, it's a slot machine. How can there be strategy? It's not like video poker. <laughs> it's true. You just press the spin button and then you win or you don't yeah, win. There's no. Yeah. There's okay. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to share oh, yes. this really interesting, wonderful thing that's going on um, right now in Iowa. <gasps> Iowa. At the University of Iowa Main Library. Uh, I'll read you the, the, uh, the first paragraph of this article. In the front display case of the University of Iowa Main Library's first floor gallery, the Tribbles are slowly multiplying. Oh. Now, uh, what it is, is um, they, the university library is doing a, um, or displaying 50 years of Star Trek. And they have, you know, just a, a ton of stuff, you know, Spock years and everything else. But apparently the library staff has been preparing for this by sewing tribbles. Oh, and wow. so every day they put more in the case. Oh, that is awesome. Isn't that great? Um, it's, um, let's see, uh, they're the creation of the library special collections outreach and instruction librarian, Colleen Tyson, who along with students has been sewing them. Um, <gasps> but here's the interesting thing. This is Nick Meyer's alma mater, oh, which I never knew. And they have a huge, huge collection of fan fiction. I see that in the photographs. These photographs, by the way, are beautiful. Oh, yes. That accompany the article. And I was like, look, there are zines in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, Nick Meyer has given them a lot of uh, the letters he exchanged with um, Paramount and everybody when, you know, he was working on the Star Trek films and, you know, a lot of unique stuff. But, uh, and um, Meyer's comments on it, he says, um, it is more about television and film and he says we decided we wanted to tell the same kind of story i am telling all the time which is that science fiction is a literary genre and uh, it, it talks a little bit about how gene loved the fans was totally totally good with all the fanzines 
This is interesting. Special Collections has some 10,000 fanzines Mm -hmm. spanning eight decades of fan devotion, not just to Star Trek. But they were collected by dedicated science fiction enthusiast James L. Rusty Hevelin, Mm -hmm. and they came to uh, the university in 2012 after he died. And the library is working to make them accessible. So uh, each zine is being photographed to go Mm -hmm. into a digital database and the volunteers will then transcribe and annotate and index the content and this is what cracks me up the entire database won't be available online due to copyright concerns and my first thought was wow somebody's finally concerned about the copyright of fanfic writers (laughs) and then i thought wow no but um you will be able to search to find out what they've got and then go to the library and you know read it view it there but this exhibit is um it's only through august 5th and i thought oh damn if it was going like till mid september that would be such a great field trip for us oh definitely when the when the con is on but uh yeah uh it's awesome well who knows maybe they'll extend it I maybe mean, so if they get a lot of people maybe they'll do mm. it but the the photographs are they're beautiful yes. beautiful photographs um so they're showing some of the the zines and then i see they have an itic medallion mm-hmm. um that looks like you know it came from lincoln enterprises right um, and some models and they have a, a whole collection of all the paperback books uh, a uniform pattern all kinds of stuff i mean this is the great stuff right this yes. is what you want to see in a star trek exhibit so cool so that's awesome yeah i thought that was wonderful i mean interest in star trek is growing and i think part of the why it's growing is over the years it as the the fan base has aged it has become a legitimate thing it's not just Mm -hmm. these dopey kids you know yeah definitely Uh, it's um all, all the fact that they've got all of this fanfic stuff in special collections mm-hmm. is just amazing, and I'm really glad because they also you, have a lot of fan art, and the fan art as well. You know, because it's so much of that stuff because it was so underground. Mm-hmm. You know, is it like sitting in boxes in people's garages, and what yep. happens when it all gets recycled? You know, that stuff's just not going to be around because a lot of it was never online Mm -hmm. people didn't want it online and if it is online it's because somebody took the time to actually track things down and as they say transcribe it and put it Mm -hmm. up here because it was all typed right it was mimeographed right back in the day oh that's amazing well i i would be really cool to see that but just reading this article is is amazing yes yes and to to know that nick meyer is involved with this i think is so great yeah it is and it's in iowa (laughs) and it's in iowa where else should it be? Where else? Because that would be the place. Um, that would be speaking the place. of fan fiction, yes, I would like to discuss a little bit this um, this movie that you sent the, me the article on um, okay. called Slash. Yes, because I have a criticism of this. Oh, I do too. But you go first. <laughs> okay. So this is a movie called Slash, and I remember reading about this a while ago. So the movie has been um, in the works for a while, and. Uh, it's a movie about 
people involved in writing Slash fan fiction. Mm -hmm. So um, it says, Slash's plot is an obstacle course of potentially awkward stumbling blocks. Sci-fi reenactment scenes depicting beefy alien vanguard heroes in homoerotic trysts. The main character's relationship with an older man met online. The refusal of the director to put labels on his character's sexual orientations. So it's all about kids who are into... um, and I say kids because they're teenagers mm-hmm. who are into to fanfic and how that uh, changes them. And they have this journey that they go through. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem I have. The main character is a guy. Yes. <laughs> and the director says to the question, why did you decide to make him male? And he says, I think it's so important that he's male, even though the majority of fan fiction writing community is female, especially in indie films. You always get this female character who doesn't know what she wants, and she flips from guy to guy. Men aren't allowed to have that. Any uncertainty is always a negative trait. By reassigning those traits, some of that negativity can hopefully be taken away from them. Oh, you know, I am so sick of movies about women. I mean, I'm just just so glad that guys are finally getting their chance. Yeah, you know, there are no movies about young men trying to find their way in the world who no. are uncertain and who go from, from girl to girl. Mm-hmm. Those movies never get made. No, never. they just don't. They really don't. And, yeah. um, you know, especially movies where traditionally female interests are taken over by men. That never happens. Oh, never. Never, never. never. <sighs> yeah. Oh. While we're talking about this, though, I want to do my little rant. Please. Okay, you know people, I'm sure you know this, that there are people who are very, very upset that there's a remake of Ghostbusters. Oh, yes, I know. They've got their, as they say, they have their knickers in a twist. Oh, they do. You know, you have ruined my childhood. Uh-huh. Um, and it's part the of the their world. upset is that it's all female. Mm-hmm. And now there's talk, they're, and they're casting. Um, they're going to do an all-female Ocean's Eleven. Oh, really? Oh, my God, that sounds amazing. Well, here's the thing. It's like, okay, Hollywood's going, hmm, there aren't enough things for women, and we're starting to get some flack, so what should we do? Oh, I know. Just take something that was successful mm-hmm. with guys and put women in it. Mm-hmm. God forbid we should come up with an original story about four or five women doing something. Yeah. I mean, bridesmaids aside, when has that happened? Um, the only ones I can think of are movies that are uh, 20 years or more older, like Steel it, Magnolias. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I, I, am, I am agreeing with you because, you know, there are – women don't have experiences, so there are no plots that you could write about women. With, right, with right. Because, you know, Ghostbusters is basically a movie about guys who start a business, and women never do things like no, that. No, of course not. Of yeah. Course not. <sighs> well, I would still want to see Ocean's Eleven, though. That would be cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, oh, come on. There's no female con artist? You couldn't write an original con artist movie yeah. for women? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, it, I think that's absolutely true. It stinks. I mean, they, they, um, the new Star Wars movie, as much as I like the new Star Wars movie, 
you know, is basically the first Star Wars movie with some of the roles swapped out for women. Oh, great. It, was, it wasn't a new plot. It was the same plot. It was the same movie. It was mm-hmm. good and all that. But yeah, there, there wasn't a lot of like more original stuff that was in it where there could have been. But maybe there will be in the next yeah. one. Who knows? But yeah, I, I remember reading about this and people were like, what the heck? Why are you doing this? You know? And I think that the director's um, uh, excuse, let me use that word here, yes. excuse for why the main character should be male. No, is, he's is mansplaining ju- it to us. He's just, it's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, he is yeah. mansplaining. He really is. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you're right. It is total bullshit. And I started reading the article going, this might be interesting. And I stopped and rolled my eyes and made gagging noises at that exact same place. Mm-hmm. And it's so important that he be male. It's terrible. Um, uh, let me let me branch off one second um, to to tell you a thing, which maybe we've talked about, but I don't know if we have. Uh, we've talked a lot about how um, women in the history of Star Trek fandom have been erased. Yes. You know, right from the very beginning, even though women were the ones who were doing all the work, like writing letters and organizing conventions and stuff like that. Star Trek eventually became seen as a very male sort of thing. You mm-hmm. know, it was a thing that that fanboys did, and we all know that that's not true and and is still not true today yeah yeah so there's that but um you know the monkeys have a new album out i know (laughs) have you heard it i have heard it it's pretty good oh good and and they're touring and stuff and it has sparked a whole discussion online because there's been now a resurgence of fandom in in the monkeys fandom like you know there are still people who are really into it and there are a lot of guys who are very intent on erasing all of the women who were monkeys fans now Why? that now that first of all i didn't know there were guy monkey fans Why? but continue because <laughs> because now because it's it's like how, however many years i mean when were the monkeys on they were like 67 it was the same time as star trek so now right. it's 50 years later and you know they're kind of their musical accomplishments have have been you know part of history and they had wonderful songwriters and some of the music Mm -hmm. is really good and you know they outsold the Beatles and and there's a lot of stuff happening there now that people take it seriously the the male music critics are like oh yes of course let me explain to you why the monkeys were important and you know at the time of course they just had a lot of silly women fans who who didn't really know any better but we know better because we're men and we can oh. tell you that this is good music and there have been i have seen this like fights breaking out on facebook between these know-it-all music guys oh. who are just like really insulting and slagging off on on the women who have been fans for Uh years and years and years who have websites that have like music magazines scanned and and have been providing you know forums for fandom for years and years and years and it's like okay i'm a guy i'm gonna step in and show you how to do it right now um not to mention (laughs) to monkey lover Yes, I mean, that was that was part of it, you know, it, it sort of grew out of our mutual like, hey, the monkeys are cool. Like, <laughs> I really like this kind of music and, and, and all of that stuff. It's, it's just, it's been going on for years and years. And, and um, someone I know who's very active in 
not just monkeys fandom but other fandom she she's like she gets so angry about this because she's like i can't can't blame her you know who has been doing all the work who has been supporting fandom all these years Mm -hmm. i mean real true fandom it's women it's the women who have been doing it so please don't tell us we don't exist and we're not important right right so anyway i'm seeing here a commonality that as long as it's just you know something for fun you know, running running these little tiny cons mm-hmm. and, you know, m- printing out zines on mimeographs and everything, that's fine. The minute there's a sniff of money to be made. Yeah, yeah. The guys roll in. Yep. Or, or either money to be made or some kind of, like status right yes. like by, yes. by, by holding yourself up as the expert who knows all about this mm-hmm. well of course I know the best because I am a guy of course I know the mm-hmm. best oh my God. that's just the way it is Jeez. Uh, so it's it's very annoying very annoying very very annoying and I will not be seeking out this slash movie to see it uh no me neither I'm Definitely. not going to be putting my dollar or my eyeballs <laughs> into that nah. nah definitely not Okay, so let me get back to my list. Um, okay, so let's do one more thing okay. um, before we take our little break. And um, this is a newspaper review of Bill's book about Leonard. And yes. this is old, and I've had it sitting here since March. <laughs> okay. And I, I kept meaning to read it because there were some really lovely things in here. So this is um, a review that was written by a guy named Jim Higgins, and it appeared in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Okay. Um, And I just thought that this was really nice. So um, he gives some background on this, um, talking about how they both started their careers in different ways and how they came at acting from very different ways. Um, And it says, let's see, I'm just going to read some excerpts. While they had a similar work ethic, their approaches to acting differed. Nimoy practiced and taught method acting and working to become the actor from deep inside. Shatner describes his own approach as the classic non-technical technique. I memorized the script and played the character. Yep. (laughs) Yes, it's more complicated than that, but this introversion meets extroversion dynamic helps explain why Kirk and Spock made such a fine pair on TV. This book reflects Shatner's point of view and opinions. Some future memory alpha historian will have to compare his recollections against those of many other Trek people for something approaching a definitive history. But Shatner takes no shots at Nimoy. In nearly every implied or direct comparison, Nimoy comes out different but equal or better. Mm-hmm. They feel that struck ca- me when I was reading mm-hmm. it, yes. Um, they feuded occasionally. Shatner, expecting to be the star of Star Trek, was thrown off guard by the intense public fascination with Spock. A pep talk from Gene Roddenberry helped ease Shatner out of his jealousy. Um, Shatner, uh, Shatner notes that the conventions became an important source of revenue for former cast and crew. Quote, Leonard and I probably attended at least 100 different conventions together, and this became the glue that cemented our friendship. One of Yay, my great conventions. Yeah. And then he talks about how they, they weren't getting along at the end. Um, and then he finishes off with this quote from Bill. There are times in life when being a celebrity can be painful. The fact that rather than being able to mourn the death of my dear friend in my own way, I had to deal with this controversy was one of them about him not attending Leonard's mm-hmm. uh, funeral because he had another commitment. And then the reviewer says his book is a fitting um What's this word? Sorry. Envoy to that friend. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So um, I just thought that was a really nice review. You know, reviewing it, like, 
as a book, mm-hmm. you know, and not from the, the Star Trek point of view, more like right. here's the book reviewer that we always give books to review, and now he's going to review this book. And that was And cool. it's a book about a friendship, a, a, a remarkable friendship. Yes. Um, that went on for for at least 50 years. Yeah. And I think that's a very fair review of the book. I mean, he really, <clears throat> to me, captured the essence of it. Mm-hmm. But speaking of the money, yeah. there's a story in the book, and I, I meant to share this with you because it cracked me up. I don't know when this happened, but I'm thinking, wow, um, in the early days, this must be how they got paid to do conventions. And Adam Nimoy tells this story, so maybe it's in, in his movie. Oh, cool. About he remembers his father coming home from convention weekends with a big bag full of cash. <laughs> oh, my God. And and some there was something about somebody saying, "Why do you do the conventions?" Or something. He said, "It's the bags of money." <laughs> Literally, I, I'm thinking they got paid in cash, or you know, people gave them cash money for the autographs or something. Yeah, it must have been. Well, really, you know, before you could do like credit cards through Square and stuff, people had to bring cash. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, so they would just take all the cash in the back room and count it out and be like, "Okay, here's the bring bag a, for Leonard. here's a bag for Leonard, his bag for Bill." <laughs> oh my God! Wow. So I thought that was something I was not aware of, and I really enjoyed it. That's great. What a great story. Cool. Okay. Let us take our little break. And then um, we have more, more fun stuff coming up. Okay. We will take a break. Yeah. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com and leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. And please visit us at the Look at His Butt Facebook page. Okay, so back to the world of stupid. <laughs> Meaning Chris Pine. Yes. Chris Pine, this is in an article from Trek Movie. Mm-hmm. Chris Pine spoke about how Star Trek can compete in the modern cinema marketplace. And this is a quote. You can't make a cerebral Star Trek in 2016. It just wouldn't work in today's marketplace. You can hide things in there. Star Trek Into Darkness has crazy, really demanding questions and themes, but you have to hide it under the guise of wham-bam explosions and planets blowing up. It's very, very tricky. The question that our movie poses is, does the Federation mean anything? And in a world where everybody's trying to kill one another all the time, that's an important thing. Is working together important? Should we all go our separate ways? Does being united against something mean anything? I don't think he understands what Star Trek's about. No, he absolutely doesn't. But then uh, then they also spoke to the, the director, um, Justin Lin, mm-hmm. and he says... What was so great about Star Trek in the last 50 years was not only the characters, the sense of exploration and these themes that connect to us as human beings, it also had the ultimate mission statement, which is to try new things. I think sometimes that gets lost. (laughs) Really? You think so? Let's sometimes go to places where we're not that comfortable. If anything, 
this is the one franchise where you can do that. So this was posted on Bill's Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it sparked not, uh, a, at, at least the last time I checked, it did spark a discussion, but it didn't get all ugly or anything. Um, but I wanted to read you some of this because there were some interesting thoughts here. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one guy says, I'm not going to say any names because I don't think people want their names on our show for some mm-hmm. godforsaken reason. So essentially he's saying everyone is brain dead and they couldn't possibly ask anyone to use their brain. If there is a future American generation who will actually think again, they will ignore a whole generation of American cinema. <laughs> and I posted, yeah, yeah, they can. Suddenly, sadly, they equate cerebral with boring. If they'd watch TOS, they'd know that one does not exclude the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody else says, so the 18 to 49 target audience is dumber than it was 60 years ago? That seems harsh. But I have noticed that the audience at my local art house theater, which shows nothing but cerebral small films and foreign films, is 90% folks over 50 or even older. Anecdotal evidence to be sure, but it makes one think. Let's see. Well, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think you can make those kinds of generalizations. I, I think we've talked about all of the amazing television that there is now. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is a highly cerebral, you know. It's, yes. It's, it's puzzles and thought problems and facing big issues and stuff. And the target demographic for that is like the 18 to 35-year-old range. Yes. Yeah. It totally is. And they're not having any problems understanding these things. Yeah. That, that's true. And it's, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up the television thing because I'm seeing more and more um, actors who are, you know, film stars being cast in these, uh, you know, limited miniseries mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call them or limited series. And they're all saying, this is where the interesting work is. This is the work where you can actually play characters. This is the work where you can actually address issues and, and stories yeah. that, that have some validity and Having big explosions is not a big deal. In fact, it is a big deal that Game of Thrones can afford to do one big battle a season. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time, it's all, well, I mean, there's sword fights and everything, but most of it is people talking and these yeah. political machinations and, and what these characters are going through and how they're growing. Yeah, it's all character development. It, it totally is. is. Yeah. It is. So, I, I don't know. I, I think that the people who are in charge of making movies are laboring under the misapprehension that you have to have a lot of explosions in movies mm-hmm. to have them make any money. And it's just, no, you don't. You really don't. I don't well, think you do. Here's the thing. Well, they're desperate. But here's the other thing. Television, actual watching things on television is becoming like an old person's thing. Yeah, this is right. This is very true. And so apparently if you want to do quality things, I think you have to skew your demographic a little higher. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to do character work and sharp comedy or Mm -hmm. anything like that, you can't say, oh, I've, I've got to get that 18 to 30 group in here because the idea of comedy, what they've been fed as comedy, is just a lot of fart jokes. <laughs> True. 
no, I'm I'm agreeing with you. I don't, yep. I don't think that's true. I, I don't know. Things are changing so fast. I, I always have to reflect on um, the way the, the music industry has changed so much, you know, from the time when I was running a record store, like that was in mm-hmm. the, the 80s. And I, I have said this before, but I very, very strongly remember when we would um, get things from the record companies and it was all about home taping is killing the music industry yes and they wanted to ban selling cassette tapes they wanted to make it illegal to sell blank cassette tapes yep because too many people were taping music Mm -hmm. and and that was just the very beginning of when things started to change and the stupid media companies resisted that for so long Mm -hmm. and it's i think it's exactly the same with with visual stuff now it's it's like the paradigm is changing so you better get with the program and figure out how to do it and it's just so hard for them to to embrace new things and new ways of doing things and stuff that might not make you that comfortable you know yeah yeah well and what kills me is and it's not just now i think it's been true in mass media ever since they started being mass media is how often they forget that people don't know what they want Mm -hmm. until they see it yes and so it's like nobody saw star wars coming Mm-hmm. Nobody could have predicted that Star Trek would become as big as it has. And right now, the biggest thing in any media in this country is Hamilton, <laughs> a Broadway musical about one of the founding fathers. Yes. Nobody knew they wanted that. Mm-hmm. And now people are paying up to $10,000 a ticket yep. in New York. And and he Lin um, Manuel Miranda he he did not go out and do demographic research Mm-mm. to find out what his musical should be about. And do you know how he got his idea? Um, I I was just reading an interview with him today, and he got invited to the the White House to to um, talk about stuff with with mm-hmm. Obama. And he thought, hey, I could do this history thing in rap form. Well, and it's also, oh, he, he, read a book. he was on vacation, <laughs> yeah. and for some reason, he's a very smart man and has a wide range of interests. He read a biography about Alexander Hamilton, mm-hmm. and he went, this guy is so fucking hip-hop. Yeah. And so, uh, message here, kids, you know, try new things and read. Don't just, you know, read Harry Potter, which is great. It gets you reading. But, you know, read a lot of different things. But, you know, he is the most in-demand person on the planet right now. Absolutely. And And he deserves every single bit of praise. I was going to say, deservedly so. Yes. I really hope. A smart guy who has worked hard and has, you know, taken his art to an incredible new level. Yes. I hope we get to see that together. I I hope so, too. I hope so, too. So, um, moving on, here's another awesome thing besides Hamilton. There's a, um, they've been releasing new Trek figurines right and left. Which oh, yeah, is amazing. yeah. And there's some really good ones. So, um, I had posted on the Facebook page, um, some, and you did too. My favorite one is the, um, it says, a tiny Spock leaning on a 1964 <laughs> Buick Riviera is the best Hot Wheels car ever. And I agree with that. Absolutely. Oh, it's so cool. So, this is a beautiful limited edition thing that you can only buy at Comic-Con. And it's taken from that iconic photo of Leonard leaning on his beautiful car his Buick or whatever yeah in in costume Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just so cool that they made a figurine out of that well they have to make a matching one oh they do of the photo of Bill 
leaning on the car from Bread and Circuses, yes. and he's in costume. He is in costume, and he looks so happy. Well, because it's like, the fastest car. It's the best car. <laughs> it's, it's the Saturn something or other. It is, and it's like out in um, broad daylight, and it just mm-hmm. looks really good, so that would be cool. I know. I when that. I saw that picture, I went, this is so great. <laughs> Uh, so the other figures that they've been releasing are there are some Kirk and Spock bobbleheads doing the um, the battle from Amok Time. Yes. And the best part about the Kirk one, of course, is that the uh, he has a sliced shirt and the blood running across his chest, which is terrific. I mean, if they were going to make bobbleheads, that's a good one to do. To me, um, the best thing is if they're fighting and they're bobbleheads, don't they just look like drunks? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they're drunk on Vulcan, and they're just kind of staggering around. <laughs> oh my God, that is such that would be such a great title for something drunk on, like on Vulcan. Vulcan. Oh man! <laughs> like, come here, no, you come here. Yeah, I'm gonna kill you. Okay. <laughs> and Not then they they like, why are we fighting? I love you, man. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Um, let's see. There are Kirk, Spock, and Uhura Barbie dolls coming. So more more new Barbies. Uh, the Spock one really looks like Spock. The Kirk one and the Uhura one don't look like them at all. <laughs> well, but here's the thing. They're yeah. original TOS. They are not the Rebootiverse. No, they're not, which is good. And so somebody was, was saying, I think it was on the Shatner board, of course, no, no, that looks just like Chris Pine and what's her face. And I said, they don't have the right, or her at least does not have the right hairdo or anything. She's got Nichelle Nichols' hair on. Yeah, they're what totally, talking they're about us. Wrong. They're just yes, wrong. wrong. Okay. But this is my favorite one. Yes. So um, these are Star Trek toys from a company called QMX, and it's Kirk and Spock, and they are amazing. They, they are so gorgeous. They are so lifelike. I mean, they really got their faces right, both of mm-hmm. them. Like, they yes. actually got Kirk's face exactly right, which mm-hmm. is amazing to me, because aside from those Mego dolls, nobody's ever gotten his That's face right. right. They just screw they it were, up. They only once. So, unfortunately, they're $200 a piece. Oof. <laughs> How big are they? Oh, that's a really good question. Let me see. Uh, I'm scrolling through the article here. 12 inch. They're 12 inches Uh tall. Uh, They have a lot of articulation. So you can make them do all kinds of things. And they show, and this is at the Nerdist, um, they've posed Mm -hmm. them in lots of different ways. And there's Spock doing the mind meld on Kirk. And there's giving a, a neck pinch to Kirk. The, um, the mind meld one is particularly slashy, in my yes. opinion. There's a lot you could do there. But my absolute favorite Kirk one, mm-hmm. which is sort of down near the bottom, is him pointing. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> he's pointing. He's pointing. And he's got he's like pointing. He's pointing. Captain he's, Kirk is pointing. Well, m- uh, the one I'm really enjoying uh-huh. um, is the one where he is reaching behind himself <gasps> to get his communicator. Yes. It's just amazing. I mean, and you look at like the spark, spark, Spock with the Vulcan harp. It's, it's crazy. These are incredible. No wonder they're two hundred bucks. Um, yeah, well, they come yeah. with they come with a lot of different accessories. So they come with phasers and communicators. Spock has the harp. Kirk has a um, 
a pad. It's not a tricorder, but it's more like a the, the spanking list. He has a spanking list. Oh, okay. Um, and he <laughs> has uh, it is. It's the spanking yes, of course. List. What else would it be? And he has the um, phaser rifle from Where No Man mm-hmm. also, which is is kind of cool. And he's got a belt. That yes. he said he can have. I wonder, let me look at that. Remember in the list. early episodes, they had those like belts to put their mm-hmm. phasers in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, the spanking list doesn't say anything on it. I wonder mm. if you can make it say anything. He's, they've actually got him in this one. He's holding it and he's got a stylus in his yes. fingers, which is amazing. It's so cool. Oh, I think you could easily make it say something. I think you could too. But the pointing yeah. one is the best. Pointing. Yes. Pointing, pointing. Yes. <laughs> I wonder I, if you could get like a little, t- I'm sure you could, in fact, g- get a little, the right size, like cup and have him about to do a Shatner spell. Oh, that would be really good. Because he's know, making the face that he makes at one point in the Shatner Swallow. Yep, when he's looking at the glass. Yes. Um, you know what would also be really cool? You could pose them to fight, and you could have Kirk doing the um, the, the double fist hi-ya on, on either <laughs> side of Spock's head when he's going to do the ears. That yes, would be good. yes, and do the, the swing around the tree thing. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So these are super cool. Um, two hundred bucks though, which sucks. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, it's but too bad about that. Really but gorgeous. Beautiful. They are beautiful. Yep. Love they them. also photographed them really beautifully. They did. They have their photographed like their little um, Tiffany jewels on a black background yeah, it's with, true. with really nice lighting <laughs> on black velvet. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Those are really great. They're awesome. I love it. Okay. Now let's, let's take a moment here um, because we've been kind of talking around it, but I wanted to do a quick Axonar update because I spent yes. some time this afternoon reading up on it. So I knew what to say. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I know. God, it's complicated. Um, the, the very, I'll do the very short version. Okay. So this has been going on for a while now. Um, so Paramount sues Axonar. Axonar provides a response I'm going to say Paramount, even though it's Paramount and CBS. Um, they provide a response to that. Axonar had asked for the suit to be dismissed, and the judge denied that. Um, and then Axonar decides to countersue Paramount, saying that they it's unfair and that they are having to put the production on hold and they're losing all this money and it should just be, you know, give us damages. That's what we want from you. Don't don't make us do anything and we want damages. So that is actually key to a lot of the stuff that's been floating around recently because J.J. Um, Abrams and Justin Lin stupidly said in some interview that yes. the whole thing was going to go away. Mm-hmm. That, that's not true. It can't go away because of the fact that the Axonar guys are countersuing Paramount. So that there's no way it can go away because right. now it's both sides involved in that. Oh, man. So, so they misspoke. I don't want to say they lied. I think they just didn't understand things. And they tried. Right. We're obviously trying to mediate to maybe make some kind of settlement happen. That's not going to happen. Well, and also, and I think um, Justin Lin actually said this, or maybe it was just sort of um, – somebody extrapolated that from what he was saying is he's got a major movie coming out Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to piss off his fan base yeah exactly so Um, so uh the most recent thing and this is just as a couple of days ago is that um cbs paramount filed a response to this counter suit that the axonar guys were doing basically mm -hmm. saying 
you're full of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that's that's the appropriate legal response. I mean, right. that's what you're going to do, right? Yeah. So, uh, so the next thing that's going to happen, unless there are any more motions, and I don't think there are going to be any more motions, is that the the original suit is going to proceed into the discovery phase. So that's when mm. the lawyers actually start gathering all the information and subpoenaing people mm-hmm. and having them come in. And the trial date has been moved to January of 2017. Mm. So short of them settling this all out of court, which seems highly unlikely, it's probably gonna go to trial. Um, There's been all kinds of stuff coming out about things that Alec Peters, the Axonar guy, has done, Uh which sounds really bad for him. Like, people have said that he was trying to get them to, um, more than one person has said that he was trying to get them to write Axonar novels um, under pen names further infringing on everything i mean like that's a really kind of a bad thing to do you shouldn't be asking people to write unauthorized novels under pen names like obviously to protect yourself really for a thing that you know you haven't done so yeah i mean stuff like this just keeps coming out and people are like you know saying he's just doesn't seem to be a very ethical kind of guy and Mm. i don't know it's it's not good um he alec peters tried to get a whole bunch of other fan productions on board with him Mm -hmm. to draw up a set of guidelines for um like kind of paramount approved guidelines for how Mm -hmm. they should be doing fan films and stuff and he was going around saying yeah i've got all these other people with me and we're gonna sit down and write these guidelines and all the other fan films were like no we're not doing that we're not working with you dude we want no part of this the woman we talked to yeah she's and she's involved with uh, a series of fan films and she said really the community is like sitting back and waiting to see what happens which i think is is wise yeah yeah totally so they're there nobody wants to get into this at all because yeah. It's just too too weird and too sticky and too many things happening. So once again, I refer you to axamonitor.com um, because okay. they have all the up-to-date stuff on that. But it seems like new stuff is happening every week, more things coming out. And I'm sure as they get into discovery, more and more stuff will happen, you know, um, when they decide who they're going to actually interview as witnesses. I mean, mm-hmm. they could call anyone. Yeah. <laughs> they could call us. I don't think they will, but they could. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So there, there's that. Okay. All right. Let me see. Um, well, moving on to some, some good fun news. Yes, please. I saw, and I, I sent you the link, so we'll be able to post oh. it, the um coming attraction, whatever you want to call it, the trailer for yes. Better Late Than Never. Oh, my God. Yes. And this is going to be hilarious. It is. It totally is. Yep. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's um Bill... Henry Winkler, Terry Bradshaw, and George Foreman, if I got mm-hmm. those all right. That's correct, yeah. Okay, who are sent on a journey through Asia <laughs> to have adventures and meet people and eat strange foods, and it really, <laughs> it's going to be something because we know how Bill is, and I get the mm-hmm. feeling the other guys are also very dynamic people. Yes, big personalities. Big personalities, personalities. Yes. yes. So um, I am looking forward to that. Yes, you should all watch it because Bill does actually get quite a lot of screen time in oh, there. Oh, yes, Which yes. is good. And it shows them doing stuff and Bill yelling at people and mm-hmm. um, dancing a little bit at the end yes. and um, yelling at people. Um, 
and yeah, people yelling at him. People yelling at fair. him. Yep, it's true. It looks like there's just a lot of yelling happening generally, <laughs> which is really, really funny. So um, it opens with a great shot of, uh, I believe it's Terry Bradshaw who's doing a bit of dancing, and he puts his <laughs> fist through a shoji screen, yes. which is like a thing you never do in Japan. <laughs> it's really no. rude to do that. No. So that was good. Uh, so I am definitely looking forward. Now, I will say one thing. I think Bill had a new toupee made for that. Ah. His hair looked really different to me. Hmm, I'll have to look at it again. It looked different from when we saw him, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe he just decided he needed something you know, that would take a little more wear and tear while he was away, wouldn't have Or maybe it was just him. time for a new one, you know. Maybe. It's true. Yeah. It yeah. Looked, it's, it's a little more um, not so gray. It looked a little oh. more brownish mm. color. Yeah. So, mm. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. But it does look hilariously funny. Yes. I think that that's going to be a, a fun thing to watch. Yeah. So, we'll have to watch and, and talk about that. Uh, okay. So, I have just one more quick thing, which is sure. that... Um, up in Canada, you know. Up there, yeah. They've been celebrating. They've been, I'm starting to do Marjorie now. Um, <laughs> they've been doing a lot of celebrating of Star Trek. They did stamps. And mm. now they have um, coins from the yes. Royal Canadian Mint. And they're actually pretty nice looking coins. They are. And, um, they feature beloved characters from Captain Kirk to the popular phaser. Uh, like, I don't know who wrote that, but that's a terrible <laughs> sentence because the phaser is not a popular <laughs> character. <laughs> really a weird thing. But they're very beautiful things, and um, they I guess they're selling them only in Canada, but I suppose, you know, you could get them on eBay or whatever. And, yeah, it's the whole cast, and they got ships and all that sort of stuff, and, and they're really nice. So, you know, go Canada. That was yeah. nice that they did that. Yep. Very, very pleased. Yep. So oh. lots lots going on. Yeah. And, uh, of course, for those of you who don't know, we will be at the Chicago Convention out mm-hmm. in Rosemont. Yeah. It's going to um, be great out there. In September. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we're, we're hoping some of you will be able to be there and and hang out with us. That would be yeah. great. Yeah, and we'll be doing other stuff in and around Chicago, oh, yep. hanging out, having a good time, watching a lot of Trek and doing a lot mm-hmm. of podcasting also. Well, and if that library thing is still going on, we're going. Definitely. Um, definitely. If not, we may have to just go up to the Cheese Castle. because. Really, oh, my God. I so want to go to the Cheese Castle. I know you do. I really, really want to go. I was so stunned when I found out there was such a thing because I thought I made that up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So funny. Oh, okay, well, uh, I'm glad you liked your present, and oh, you know, yes. don't don't wait to watch it till I get there. If you want to pop it in just to see how well, good it looks and all that, I might just have to, you know, one one night, you know, watch yeah. some of it or, yeah. or what. It, it will be interesting to see if this settles some of the uh, some of the arguments about what scenes are actually in it. Yes, definitely. You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing it, you know, not on the big screen, but in, in beautiful, restored everything. It'll be yes. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that will be great. Yeah. So um, thank you so much, listeners, for listening to us and putting up with our nonsense. We love you all. We do. And we're glad you enjoy this nonsense, too. Yes. And so until we meet again next time, please live long and potluck. As we always say. Yes. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.